і летіти. Ми не будемо пити тую гірку воду, як не поцілує молодий молоду. Ми не будемо пити тую гірку воду, як не поцілує молодий молоду. Гірка я, гірка я, гірка я вода, най се поцілує пара молода. Гірка я, гірка я, гірка я вода, най се поцілує пара молода. And the Euphoria Band from Edmonton with a Wedding Medley entitled Hirkaya Voda, which translates as Bitter Water. Dobri vacher i vitaju vas vsih dorehi radio suhechita, vitaju vas vsih na radio peredaciu, nash holos radio krinsko hokurinia, kutrapodejacivam na bahatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB, Pri mikrofoni Pavlina Makwari, diakoyu shtorishale perabuta zimnoyu, nastupnu hudenu. Hello there and welcome to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, coming to you here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Paula Demchik Makwari, Pokrinske Pavlina, and I am so glad to have you with me. On this week's program, a book review of Marsha Forchuk Skripuk's most recent novel called Traitors Among Us, and it is a story set in World War II Ukraine, as well as the dog days of summer and what's become kind of a tradition here at Nasholos, and that is a series of Ukrainian folk tales narrated by Linda Mikolayenko in Saskatchewan, and we'll be bringing you the story of the stolen postolet. So stay tuned for all of that. We've also got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and plenty of great Ukrainian music. So up now, a wild and crazy group from Ukraine that's been around quite a while. They are called Brateha Yukine, and here they are with a biting satire and indictment of life in the former Soviet Union. <laughs> Нашим 
брате ме дороге Слушайте поляке, наши дружни почутя и самого сердца Хей, забава, рок-н-рол до рана Мы гуляем веселы, что как спонсор не чули С добре попрацуем, ровим и сбудуем В нашем ритмом серы-серу Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. APL. APL. The one others are trying to catch up with. Every day, more Ukrainian soldiers are killed or wounded by Russian invaders. You can help wounded heroes by joining the Adopt-A-Soldier program of registered charity Ukraine War Amps. A small monthly donation goes very far for medical services and living expenses and creates a special bond between you and a wounded hero. 100% of your contribution goes to the soldier. Please, adopt a soldier today. Visit ukrainewaramps.ca or find us on Facebook.
Well, here's a tip for you. Just change your name to Kowalczyk. Have garlic with your meal. And tell everyone you're Ukrainian. And see how much better you from Winnipeg that was Shum with a musical message about a very simple fact of life it's fun to be Ukrainian and one of the reasons for that is uh, great food and great stories and up next is a tune by another group from Winnipeg called Kolena from their CD Seam which means seven and this is a song that tells a story about conflicted young man who has to choose between a beautiful girl and a delicious bowl of cottage cheese pierogies. Corner Book Reviews by Myra Junik. Ukrainian Stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Marsha Forchuk Skripuk's novel, Traitors Among Us. Traitors Among Us continues the story of Ukrainian sisters Maria and Hrishcha Fidyuk, which began in the novels Don't Tell the Enemy 
published subsequently as Don't Tell the Nazis, and Trapped in Hitler's Web. Maria, now 16, and Christian, now 14, have survived the devastation of World War II in their native Ukraine. They are reunited in Germany and make their way to an American refugee camp in Karlsfeld, Germany. However, when they are accused of being Nazi collaborators, they are imprisoned by the Soviets and threatened with execution. Will they survive? It is June 1945, and the Nazi government has surrendered to the Allies. Germany is divided into four occupation zones, American, British, French, and Soviet. There are refugees like Maria and Christia flooding these zones. Those suspected of being Nazis are interned and processed through the criminal justice system. Stalin urges the British and Americans to send back any Eastern Europeans. He wants to punish these survivors for leaving their countries and send them to slave labor camps in Siberia. When the Allies realize what is going on, they stop allowing this repatriation. Maria and Christia are caught up in this conflict between the Allies and Stalin. They find themselves reunited with Sophie Huber, a Hitler girl who tormented Maria on the farm where she worked as a forced laborer. The sisters are trying to reach their aunt and uncle in Toronto, but they have to wait for the proper permission. However, very early in the novel, they are betrayed by the traitorous Sophie who tells the Soviets, Officer, there are two Nazi collaborators hiding under that bunk. The sisters soon find themselves in a Soviet jail. Ironically, Sophie ends up there with them. Their situation is desperate as they try to survive. Maria and I were anti-Nazi and anti-Soviet, and we wanted to live in democracy. Their plight epitomizes the fate of Ukrainian refugees in the post-war period in Germany. Young Ukrainians posed a real threat to the Soviet regime, since they could potentially push for democracy in post-war Ukraine. The sisters experience hunger and torture while in Soviet detention. Will Sophie betray them once again? Will they ever be free? This is a very well-written story about the post-war issues facing Ukrainian refugees in Germany. It is told through the alternating first-person narration of Maria and Christia. Both sisters have survived very brutal circumstances during the war. Now they must work together to survive the dangerous threat of the Soviets. This narrative tool gives readers insight into their emotions and motivations as they face extreme danger. Their love for each other, as well as their courage, shines through. For Skripuk, writing Traitors Among Us was a deeply personal experience. Her great-aunt was a sniper with the Ukrainian insurgent army during World War II and fought both the Nazis and the Soviets. She was executed by the Soviets and buried in an unmarked grave. Marcia's great-grandmother Maria was sent to Siberia and never heard from again. Marcia wrote this book as a tribute to those who survived Hitler's frying pan but ended up in Stalin's fire. Marcia Forchuk Skripuk grew up determined to accomplish the goals she set for herself. At age nine, she taught herself to read with Oliver Twist, a long Charles Dickens novel. She suffered from dyslexia, but overcame it with patience and perseverance. She became a librarian after completing her master's degree in library science, but her dream was to become a writer. In 1996, she published her first book, Silver Threads. She has not stopped writing since then. She has received many honors for her novels and was awarded the Order of Princess Olha by Ukraine's president. Recently, Marsha's novel, Don't Tell the Enemy, 
won the 2020 Saskatchewan Snow Willow Award. Too Young to Escape won the 2019 BC Red Cedar Information Book Award. And Making Bombs for Hitler, the U.S. edition, won the Iowa Teen Award 2018-2019. Marsha lives in Brantford, Ontario, with her family. Marsha strongly believes in keeping history alive. At the end of Traders Among Us, she tells readers, I am grateful to my father, Marshall Forchuk, for his recall of family history, including letters, tidbits, and conversations overheard about the fate of my great-grandmother and great-aunt. These small bits from the past have stayed in my heart for decades, making me yearn to find out more. Readers will definitely look forward to more historical novels from Marcia. Traders Among Us is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
was the late Kvitka Sisek with a beautiful tribute to Baba, our Ukrainian grandmothers. And before them, from Edmonton, Millennia, from their third CD, Bracha, which means brothers, and uh, a song that I like to think of as uh, kind of the Ukrainian answer to Old MacDonald Had a Farm. It is traditional, uh, not that, it's fairly recent, actually. It's very popular uh, in uh, over the last oh, few decades in Ukraine, and that song was called Kurochka, the Chicken. This is CHMB, AM 1320, Vancouver. Welcome to Beyond the Blue Mirror, a series of programs that celebrates the rich Ukrainian oral tradition. Each program features a folktale or legend as well as a related real-life story, enhanced with traditional and contemporary music. My name is Linda Mikolayenko. Thank you for joining me. The Stolen Postole Bondachuk was up to no good. This rich farmer was always plotting ways to get the poor peasants to work on his land for next to nothing. And now, now he had his eyes set on Danello, a big, strong man. But how to enlist him? He stewed, and he schemed, and he twirled the ends of his long black mustache until, until he came up with a plan. 
and then he sent one of his servants to steal something from Danilo. In the dark of night, the servant crept into Danilo's hut. Careful not to wake the sleeping man, he tiptoed about, looking for something worth stealing. But Danilo was so poor, he couldn't find anything. All night long he looked, and finally, just before dawn, he realized that Danilo had no real valuables, and so he quickly grabbed a pair of postolets, a pair of shoes, and ran out the door. In the morning, Danilo awoke, yawned and stretched and rubbed his eyes, but when he reached for his postolet, well, they were gone. He scratched his head and tried to remember where he had left them, but he was certain that he had put them beside his bed as he always had. Outside, the frost lay thick on the ground. Winter was on its way, and he wondered how he would survive without a pair of shoes. As he sat there, suddenly the door to his hut burst open, and in walked Bundachuk, the wealthy farmer who lived nearby. Why so glum, Danilo? he said. Why shouldn't I be sad? replied Danilo. Some scoundrel has stolen my postolet. Winter is on its way, and I don't have a cent to buy a new pair. Oh, that is indeed terrible. Bundachuk pretended to feel sorry for him. But uh, don't worry. I'll uh, buy you a pair of shoes, and uh, you can pay me back by working on my farm for a year. Well, Danilo thought this was ludicrous. But what could he do? He had no choice. So he went to work for Bondachuk. Day in and day out he slaved, but Danilo was a big man, and the landlord fed him so little that he was always hungry. Finally, one day, when he felt he just didn't have the strength to continue, he went to Bondachuk and he complained, How can I work when all day long my stomach aches and rumbles so? Again, Bondachuk pretended to feel sorry for him. I'll tell you what, my friend. I'll get my wife to give you a boiled egg every morning. And that way you'll have the strength to continue to work, and by the end of the year you will have paid off your debt. All right? Danilo agreed and went back to work. For an entire year, Danilo worked like a dog. He plowed and he planted and he threshed just to pay for a pair of shoes. And though he was still hungry, that boiled egg did help to give him the strength he needed to continue working. Now, by Danilo's sweat, the farmer prospered with bountiful crops and a rich harvest. And when the year was almost up, he really wanted to keep Danilo working for him. And so one day he called him to his house. So you finally paid for the shoes, said Bondacha, stroking his long black mustache. That's right, said Danilo. And did you get a boiled egg to eat every morning, said Bondacha, as he furrowed his bushy eyebrows. Yes, replied Danilo. Oh! Bondacha gasped and rolled his eyes as if he was in great pain. Do you realize what you have done? What do you mean? asked Danilo. What have I done? Why, you have devoured three hundred eggs. If my wife would have put those eggs under brood hens, they would have hatched into three hundred chicks. Those three hundred chicks would have grown into three hundred hens that would have laid a thousand more eggs. Those thousand eggs would have hatched into a thousand chicks. I could have sold those thousand chicks at the market for quite a sack of money. So you see, you, Donello, you have cost me a sack of money. Why, if I take you to court, the judge will make you work for me for at least another year. Donello listened to that tirade, and when it was over, he said, Have it your way, you cheat. But I'll not work for you, not for another minute. 
and with that he stamped his foot, turned around, and walked out the door. But when he had cooled down, he fell into despair. Oy, Boże, što zimnoju bude? What is to become of me? How could he possibly win in court against a rich man? As he wandered the roads aimlessly, he came upon an old Hutzel, a mountain dweller. What troubles you, my friend, said the old man. Now this Hutzel was not only old, he was wise, and in his pocket he carried a blue mirror, and in it he could see where the rabbits slept, and how the stars fell into the sea, and what made the sun smile. He understood the languages of trees, and why the moon spread her skirts of melancholy over the hills. Danilo told him the whole story, and he finished off by saying, So you see, Bondachuk has me for good. I worked for him for an entire year, and now he's taking me to court. A rich man's greed knows no bounds, said the Hutzo. So you mean there's no hope, replied Danilo. Might makes right, and beggars can't be choosers. The judge is a learned man, but in my mirror he would see nothing. And with that he pulled out his mirror, and he gazed up into the sky and down to the ground and around to the forests and the mountains. And then he smiled and motioned for Danilo to come closer, and he whispered something in Danilo's ear. Danilo nodded, and smiled, and went on his way. The day of the trial arrived. Bundarchuk walked into the courtroom, strutting like a peacock, wearing a fine velvet suit. The judge and the clerk took their places, and they waited for Danilo. They waited. Minutes turned into hours. Bundarchuk began tugging at his mustache. Where is that fool? The judge looked at his watch, and the clerk tapped his fingers nervously on the desk. Finally, when they were just about to give up, the door to the courtroom burst open, and in walked Danello, heaving and panting. <sighs> Excuse me, Your Honor, he said, but I have been very busy. What do you mean, said the judge, what do you mean, busy? Well, I was busy boiling potatoes and planting them, boiling barley and planting it, boiling oats and planting them. Wait a minute, said the judge. You can't get a crop from boiled potatoes or boiled barley. Well, surely I can, replied Danello. Just as surely as Bondachuk says he could get a thousand chicks from the boiled eggs that his wife fed me. The judge looked at Bondarchuk. What kind of eggs did your wife give Donello? Boiled eggs, stuttered Bondarchuk. The judge looked at the clerk, and then at Donello, and then at Bondarchuk, and he began to laugh. And then the clerk began to laugh, and Donello began to laugh, but Bondarchuk did not laugh. He stood there looking bewildered, tugging at his mustache, and then he grabbed his coat and hat, and he walked out of the court. And as his carriage clattered away, he could still hear them laughing. But that was the last time the rich man tried to take a peasant to court.
Agricultural themes are quite common in Ukrainian folktales. Many of the Ukrainians who came to Canada in the early 1900s were farmers, and they came at the invitation of the then Minister of the Interior, Clifford Sifton, who praised these stalwart peasants in sheepskin coats. However, that reference to men in sheepskin coats soon became a derogatory term, as the newcomers were looked on with suspicion by the established population. And it didn't take long before the immigrants began to encounter men like the Bondadchuk in the story of the stolen postalea. My father came to Canada in 1930 and worked for farmers during the difficult years of drought and depression. One year, my father tried to earn a little bit of extra money by catching the gophers that would cause great devastation to the crops. He was disappointed, though, that the farmer he worked for wanted to deny him even that. It was a story he often told me, so one day I decided to write it down, and it came out in the form of a poem. Here it is. "'Sure can do a lot of damage to the crops, those gophers,' said Mr. Nicholson, sipping tea. "'Farmer with a reputation. Had twenty thousand in the bank.' "'1934 is going to be a bad year for them,' they say. "'Municipalities paying one cent apiece.' Mike nodded. "'Immigrant hired seven months for one hundred dollars.' Up at five, Mike fed horses, milked cows, set out poison in the fields, plowed, planted, fed pigs. Sun set late on spring days, gathered up dead gophers, cut tails and hind feet for proof, put them in a box. Up at five, Mike fed horses, milked cows, set out poison in the fields, plowed, planted, fed pigs, gathered up dead gophers, cut tails and hind feet, added them to the box. No chance to cash them in. Mr. Nicholson, you going to town? How about you take my gophers? Sure, Mike. Returning in his wagon, Mr. Nicholson holds out two dollars and thirty-seven cents. Mike, you got those gophers from my farm. You work for me. My daughter wants a coat. How about I keep one dollar? Sure, Mr. Nicholson, sure. If he had a daughter, he'd rather she wear sheepskin than rodent. Ale me une znano krajino, ginule svirine kraj rodino. Vsa što nam bliske do srca bolo, zalešili me tilki prijami živemo. Kanado, Kanado, ti krajina kaski prinjala. Beyond the Blue Mirror is a series of programs that celebrates the rich Ukrainian oral tradition. I would like to acknowledge the support of the Canada Council for the Arts. Je remercie de son soutien le Conseil des Arts du Canada. 
I would also like to thank Ethnic FM CKER Radio for the Roger Charest Senior Award for Broadcast and Media Arts administered through the Ukrainian Resource and Development Center at Grant McEwen College in Edmonton. The folktale in this program is based on The Stolen Postelet and the Boiled Eggs from the book The Magic Egg and Other Tales from Ukraine, retold by Barbara J. Suen and edited by Natalie O. Kononenko. Copyright 1997 by Libraries Unlimited Incorporated. Used with the permission of Greenwood Publishing Group, Westport, Connecticut. The poem, Spring Harvest, is based on the recollections of my father, Mike Mikolayenko. My gratitude to him for allowing me to share it with you. Introductory music for this series is taken from Dance 5, from the CD Prairie Nights and Peacock Feathers, performed by Paris Tukayev, distributed by Alesha Records. This program also features excerpts from Hutzel Fantasy from the CD Ablaze, performed by Vasil Popoduk, and the original composition Krajina Kazke from the CD Reflections of Our Pioneers, performed by Duet Marena. I'm Linda Mikolayenko. You may reach me through my website, lindathestoryteller.ca. Thank you for listening. La 
and a very popular group from Ukraine called Mandre and a story about Oresia. Before them, you heard Cheremshina from Montreal and a story of a grandmother who is planting hemp. And coming up next, Budia from Toronto and a song about pipe smoke, Luluchka Kolomeka. to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show here in Vancouver on AM 1320 CHMB. In between broadcasts, please visit us online where you'll find transcripts and archived audio files, a link to the Nash Holos podcast, information about the show, and a link to our Patreon site where you can support our work if you like. And that again is www.nashholos.com. And our proverb of the week translates as with the same tongue one can gain a friend or an enemy. Well, with that, we've come to the end of our program, so we'll wrap it up with Slu High and that classic Who Stole the Kishka. I'm Pavina, on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich! Someone stole the kishka from the butcher shop. Who stole the kishka? Who stole the kishka? Who stole the kishka? Someone call a cop. Round the firm and fully back. It was hanging on the rack. Someone stole the kishka when I turned my back. Who stole the kishka? Who stole the kishka? Who stole the kishka? Take my rubber boots, but give me back my kishka. Who stole the kishka? Who stole the kishka? Who stole the kishka from the butcher shop? Now Willie found the kishka. Willie, Willie found the kishka. Willie found the kishka. He hung it on the rack. He found the kishka. He found the kishka. He found the kishka.
Someone stole the kishka. Someone stole the kishka. Someone stole the kishka from the butcher shop. Who stole the kishka? Who stole the kishka? Who stole the kishka? Someone call a cop. Now Willie found the kishka. Willie, Willie found the kishka. Willie found the kishka. He hung it on the rack. He found the kishka. He found the kishka. He found the kishka. Willie brought it back. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.